Hello everyone and welcome to today's episode of the Unvented Podcast. I am so sorry that we've had to delay this podcast, but I'm also so grateful for Sanjana for re-recording this podcast with us after we had some technical issues. I know this has been a long time in the making, but I think we had a really interesting conversation about understanding what abortion laws are actually talking about. And I hope you guys find it a little bit informative and a little bit interesting as well. See you on the other side. Bye. Hi, Sanjana. Welcome to the Unfounded podcast. We're discussing a very sensitive topic here, and I'm so excited to have you to kind of like navigate this issue. Thanks, Mega. Thanks for having me on the show. Hi, everyone. <laughs> um, so let's jump into it. So to provide context, the reason that we wanted to do the podcast was prompted by Roe versus Wade. So we kind of wanted to understand the broader impact of that on Australia and the Australian context. So let's kick off this conversation by talking about what exactly falls under abortion. Sure, sure. Uh, so in general terms, abortion is a medical term that refers to the process of ending a pregnancy. The gestational age of the pregnancy may impact on the process of an abortion, either medically with medications or surgically with a procedure known as a suction curatage. Whereas to clarify other medical terminology, um, so a miscarriage refers to the spontaneous expulsion of a pregnancy before 20 weeks. Gestation and a stillbirth is the loss of a baby, unfortunately, before or during delivery after 20 weeks gestation. And just some other information that might be useful to some of our listeners. So a pregnancy duration is approximately 40 weeks, and that's categorized into three trimesters. The first trimester is till 12 weeks from the last menstrual period. And this is the trimester that's at highest risk of having spontaneous miscarriages occur. Um, it's also the trimester in which the pregnancy location is established, so an intrauterine pregnancy versus an ectopic pregnancy, which is a non-viable pregnancy outside the uterus. Uh, second trimester is till 28 weeks, and this is the trimester in which screening tests are performed, which we'll touch on in a, bit, in a little bit. And the third trimester is from then till delivery time. So the decision a woman makes to have an abortion does not need justification and that's her right to autonomy and freedom from discrimination. But broadly speaking, to understand some different scenarios, we can categorize them into maternal and fetal reasons that one may choose to have an abortion. So if we look at the maternal category, some um, some examples that fall under this category include maternal choice, um, the unfortunate circumstances of rape, an unplanned pregnancy, um, financial constraints, medical contraindications, for example, uh, medical conditions or mental health um, conditions or use of certain medications that affect maternal health um, or the pregnancy itself. And the other category is uh, fetal, so things like fetal structural abnormalities, um, certain syndromes or chromosomal abnormalities or anomalies that might be detected during the pregnancy. Um, <clears throat> a detection of a condition uh, has a multidisciplinary team approach to um, counselling the patient, her support members, her 
partner or um, other support members, um, counselling them on what how this may affect the pregnancy or um, the child potentially in the long term, and then coming together and having a decision on what they would what they would do. Um, so in terms of during the pregnancy, there are certain screening tests that are routinely performed, which involve an ultrasound and maternal blood tests. Um, the ultrasound assesses for fetal structures and the combination of these tests can assess the risk of certain chromosomal aneuploidies. So not all chromosomal aneuploidies are detected in pregnancy, but um, some screening tests which are performed between 10 to 14 weeks and again at 18 to 20 weeks can um, identify certain conditions that may affect the, um, the quality of life for the baby um, in the future, as well as potentially identifying conditions that are known to be lethal or incompatible with life as well. Just wanted to jump in to ask, um, you were mentioning that it is like the woman's decision. And so that applies for fetal um, abnormalities as well, does it? So it's like, even if that's why they would still would still be up to the woman or our yeah, medical practitioners right. looped in kind of thing. Uh, so it would still it will so if the condition is um, picked up or detected, um, the medical team will counsel the woman on what this condition is, how it may affect the pregnancy, if it's something that is um, incompatible with life, or if it's something that has. Um, a varying degree of the impact of the quality of life for the baby and then together they make a decision or but ultimately it's the woman's choice and what she would like to do um, from a legal perspective in Australia we'll touch base on um, the what makes an abortion legal in Australia so mm -hmm. for example after 20 weeks um, you'll uh, two practitioners medical practitioners will have to agree on um, the abortion being a reasonable option um, for it to be an option for the woman to have. Yeah, yeah. And like, I mean, I guess the sort of question, the reason I was asking that was also to kind of mention Roe and Roe yeah. versus Wade again, because I've, I mean, I, this is what I've been hearing, where even if there are issues with the pregnancy, abortion will still not be um, legal and it will still have to kind of, it'll still be affected by the laws. And so the next question is kind of, what types of abortions are impact by, impacted by the laws that were permitted by overturning Roe versus Wade? So um, that's what I was trying to kind of get at, which is just this idea that even if there are medical difficulties that, you know, doctors might suggest that abortion is the right way to go, I guess these laws will still be impacting those and preventing a safe abortion. Yeah, that's right. So in the United States, um, the Rovers Way decision in 1973 allowed abortion to be a constitutionally protected right until 23 weeks gestation, until which gestation a fetus could potentially survive life outside the womb. Prior to this, abortion was a state issue to determine its legality. And the overturning of Roe versus Wade in 2022 has essentially meant meant that there is no federal constitutional right to abortion in the United States and it is now up to the states to regulate abortion. So the state laws are divided similarly as with politics. So um, 
the as per the red states, which are te- typically the Republican states. Um, so 23 of the red states have laws aiming to limit abortion access. So the consequences from a legal perspective vary from significant fines to time in prison for those performing abortions. Um, an example of a state law in the United States is Oklahoma. So Oklahoma now bans abortion beginning at fertilization with an exception only in the case of a medical emergency. So it's unclear what this means for the treatment of things like, for example, ectopic pregnancies. So this law would affect treatment choices that women may have offered from fear of legal ramifications, um, from the medical practitioner's fear as well, um, for other things apart from abortion as well, such as the treatment of things like ectopic pregnancies and even miscarriages. And this in turn would affect the treatment efficacy and in turn maternal outcomes as well. Absolutely. So now these laws are intended to be regarded towards that maternal choice and maternal um, decision-making scenarios like like you were saying your unplanned pregnancy financial constraints but in the end because of the way the laws are permitted due to Roe versus, over, Roe versus Wade over, being overturned they are now also affecting those fetal um, fetal abnormality and syndrome related abortions which is really really unfortunate because there's so many medical consequences it sounds like to that as well um And I guess then I would kind of want to understand from your perspective, because you would have had a lot of patients come in from both sides of the spectrum, what the implications on these women and what you think the implications on society can be of this as well. Yeah. So fundamentally, the overturning of Roe versus Wade is a step backward for women's rights and reproductive rights. As a society, we believe our laws are supposed to be progressive and to keep outdated views and their harmful effects a thing of the past. So in no way do we think as a society that our progressive progressive steps could one day be removed. So there are so many implications from the overturning of Roe versus Wade. So we'll go through some of these, which include um, fear. So fear amongst women, amongst society, and fear amongst healthcare providers, fear of the legal ramifications. So balancing that with the moral implications of a medical practitioner as well um, in you know providing healthcare for the women. Um, other implications are unsafe practices. This overturning of Roe versus Wade will not stop abortions from happening. Rather, it will make abortions unsafe with people accessing unsafe practices or methods out of desperation, which directly then impacts um, the risk of maternal morbidity and mortality. Mm-hmm. Um, further division of society, so based on socioeconomic status, those that have money and the ability to travel to access safe legal abortions in other states versus those who cannot afford to do so. And this will disproportionately affect minorities even more. Um, And it could also further cause distrust in the police force um, and legal system in the United States. Um, Other implications include mental health consequences on the mother, the family, um, the children and society. So a child being born in an environment that's unable to adequately provide for it, having to carry a pregnancy to term and deliver a baby that may have a known lethal condition. So the maternal mental health impact, the partner's mental health, future pregnancy impact. 
Um, other, other implications include things like financial constraints. So the healthcare system in the United States is already overwhelmingly privatized. So if someone's unable to financially provide for a pregnancy, raising a child or a pregnancy that has complications affecting the fetus and baby, what will happen if a woman is forced to continue with that pregnancy without having a choice? Who, who will bear the financial cost of that? Not, not just the emotional cost, but the financial cost. Um, in terms of other implications, so it's um, also the undoing of the UN Millennium Developmental Goals. So in 2000, the United Nations Millennium Declaration set eight goals, known as the Millennium Developmental Goals, committing world leaders to achieve targets by 2015. So these goals included reducing child mortality and improving maternal health. And the 2015 report of these goals found that the mortality rate of children under five was reduced by more than half since 1990 and maternal mortality fell by 45% worldwide since 1990. So the implications of overturning of Roe versus Wade will contribute to the undoing of these targets in the future, having women's lives at risk, pregnancies with known potential um, lethal fetal complications carried to term without having a choice are just some examples how these um, targets are completely undone. So where does this take us in the future? Um, other implications? So it's set about a very dangerous precedent of what could be affected in the future. For example, things like um, IVF, frozen embryos and the legalities around fertility and reproductive health, uh, contra contraception, um, and also LGBTQ rights as well. Yeah, yeah. It's affecting so many things and it's insane that it doesn't feel like all of the other support systems that should be in place to take care of these things have not been in any way required or expected of all of these states that are kind of allowing this blanket of, or removing this right to abortion. So like you were saying, this in like this divide between, you know, the socioeconomic statuses and being able to still obtain um, abortions because you're simply able to go and travel somewhere, the mental health consequences. And even I think just like the quality of life for the women, but also the quality of life of the children being born under those circumstances and there being no support systems or infrastructure for them yeah. is like so unfortunate. I think, though, the situation in Australia is slightly, it is better. It is better, definitely, than the United States. But what is what are those abortion rights like in Australia? And do you think that there are ways that we can maybe still improve on them? Yeah, so abortion is legal in Australia now. Uh, each state and territory has its own laws regarding abortion, and it has now recently been decriminalised in all states and territories. There are some variations of the law between the states, with Western Australia having more conservative restrictions. Um, abortion is partially Medicare funded. So in terms of limitations or room for where we have room for improvement, um, having a federal law and bringing uniformity amongst all the states and territories, which would then in turn improve access to services, um, to abortion services within each state and territory um, as well. Um, and even though we have these laws, having the actual infrastructure, so having actual um, 
um, practices um, and services that provide um, abortion services in each state and um, territory. So increasing that number or having more access for women as well. Um, currently, access to abortion within public hospitals are limited, with a large proportion being performed at private clinics. So improving access to abortion services within public hospitals as well um, is definitely something that can be improved on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned that, you know, um, abortions are partly Medicare funded and obviously we do have access to them in public hospitals. But I think for a lot, like for a lot of um, surgeries or for a lot of these things, yes, they're available publicly, but they there's just so limited. And when you go to private clinics, they can be so expensive. And that also continues to create a sort of disparity in access because like this is one of those things where a time limit or like, sorry, not having quick access can be really detrimental. And the faster you get access, I guess, in a lot of ways, the better it is for the woman and also less harmful it is like to be. Is that correct? Yeah, I guess, um, I guess access is, um, you know, access varies for the woman. So from, uh, if a woman lives in a regional or rural part of Australia, their access is going to be, um, much reduced or limited in comparison to, you know, a metropolitan city like Sydney. Um, I think access definitely um, impacts uh, the, the, I guess, the available choices. So that can affect the woman making the choice to have an abortion um, yeah. and the potential implications of, um, of that. Um, as in having an abortion versus not having an abortion. Um, I guess also pregnancy is a um, progressive, progressive in terms of time. So there's a time kind of um, time stamp as well, where a woman want, would want to have an abortion earlier rather than later as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And so even if it's successful, it might not be preferable to some of these people. And so the earlier, you know, I think the better um, yeah. that you're in, a, in the best position to make that choice. Yeah, I think, I mean, Australia is definitely working towards destigmatizing de a lot of these conversations. I think in the um, like ACT now, the laws are really, really much more um, flexible when it comes to abortion, uh, abortion, and I think that's really great. And but I do feel like, obviously, the like one of the best ways to go about this would be through education and continuing to you know educate even young people about what the right precautions to take are if they are not in the best place to conceive and then moving forward providing like a safe infrastructure for them to communicate their issues communicate that they might need an abortion and from there onwards if a person still has to go through the process of having a child for whatever reason then making sure that there are great sort of well as great as possible infrastructures in place to take care of those children if the child if the parents can't or provide support for those parents who've had to kind of go through that when they aren't in the best place. So I think what happens, at least for me, from a, like a, from a broader and not medical, solely medical perspective, it feels like simply making laws related to abortion is the worst way you can go about things. Like there are so many other steps that you also need to take um, when these kinds of laws are administered that can come before, i.e., when you know people are much younger and teaching them about these things and for older people who've already had who've already conceived 
and who've already had the child and who might need support afterwards. So without all of these policies also being taken into consideration, it seems a bit silly to just have this sort of blanket law for abortion in any case, whether that's America. And I think although Australia does a pretty good job of having abortion laws, still having solid infrastructure when it comes to before and after. So um, thank you so much for that, either. I feel like it kind of helps us navigate what exactly people are talking about when they are talking about abortion laws. And I think a lot of the times it can cover a much wider range of medical circumstances than what I certainly realize. And that's a little bit scary because it seems like at least for people in at least for women in America now, even if it is at the cost of their own health, they still might have to continue on with the pregnancy. So you do kind of get to be grateful for the laws in Australia. But I definitely think, like I was mentioning, that the infrastructure surrounding this can be improved and more discussed. Yeah, definitely. And as you mentioned, destigmatizing the topic um, and also understanding all the different um, reasons for why an abortion may be an option um, and not having you know, a blanket rule with significant legal repercussions of, yeah. um, of that rule as well. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. So thank you so much. It was great having you. Thanks for having me. So that's the episode, guys. I think one definitely positive takeaway is that we're not as bad as America, but I know that that can't be the benchmark. Um, We have to try and do better. And I think that the ACT having such flexible laws for abortion is definitely a step in the right direction. And I hope that the rest of Australia follows. So follow us on your podcast listening app and on Instagram. And I'll see you for the next episode. Bye.